Bandwidth for Priority One Podcast is brought to you by Playa Escondida. Ever dreamed of visiting Planet Risa? Well, Playa Escondida is the ultimate beach resort excursion. Visit PlayaEscondida.com to book your ultimate vacation getaway. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 158 of Priority One Podcast, the premier Star Trek online podcast recorded Thursday, January 23rd, 2014, live on trekradio.net and available for download or streaming on Monday morning at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Tony. I'm James. And I'm Elijah. Elijah, what do we have this week? Well, this is going to be a big show, Captains. So big, we'll have to forego are trekking it out this week and jump right into Star Trek online news with tons of information that has trickled down the pipe regarding season 8.5 due to release January 30th. Then, to help answer some of everybody's burning questions, we're joined again by Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, and, of course, as always, we'll open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming from you, our listeners. Captains, we want to thank you for your ongoing support of Priority One Podcast. You can continue to support Priority One with real-world donations by helping us reach our monthly financial goals. We've got some new mobile equipment we'd like to purchase to help improve our audio quality of our on-site recording at conventions or other events. But, as you've heard us say before, we're all volunteers, and we could use your help to get that equipment. So please, continue to donate, and thank you sincerely to all those who already have and continue to do so. Captains, don't forget that PriorityOnePodcast.com offers more than just podcasts. Check out our blogs and more only on PriorityOnePodcast.com. So, we're going to skip Trek It Out this week and jump right into Stow News because we got a lot. Let's do it, boys. Engage. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Season 8, DevLog 37. Let's talk about the Undine Space Combat Experience Revamp. In Season 8, DevLog 37, Stowe Systems Designer Jeff Adjudicator Hawk Hamilton injects some Titan into Species 8472, making them harder, better, faster, stronger. In the DevLog, Adjudicator Hawk runs down the improvements made to the Undine frigates, cruisers, battleships, and dreadnoughts. From improved AI, refreshed powers, and retuned damage. The goal was to make the Undine more formidable foe when compared to the Borg, which, yeah, that's kind of smart. I mean, they were pretty on par with the Borg. As a matter of fact, they were spanking the Borg for a while in Voyager, so it makes sense to make them at least equal to the Borg. So make sure and visit the Star Trek Online and review the entire article, please. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. So I became much less interested in the whole article the moment that he teased about why they've made the changes to the Undine. So what does this mean? I mean, it's not just a matter of game balance. I think it's also a matter of there's something in the storyline coming 
or they're bringing back Terradome. Well, they've got to have something going on with the storyline because they don't they don't go back and retouch assets and do all that kind of stuff unless they plan on using them in something that's more of like more or less a new release. Because we're going into the whole Voyager thing. I mean, all the announcements have been made, and I mean that's where they come from. So I mean, we're sailing into their territory, so to speak. It's bound to happen. Yeah, I, I imagine we're going to see something in the uh, uh, featured episode next week with the just announced Mr. Russ. In Season 8, Dev Blog number 38, with as much excitement as you can come to expect from Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al Captain Gecko Rivera, players are given a more detailed introduction to the new ship management, loadouts, and quick equip systems coming to Star Trek Online around the launch of Season 8.5 on January 30th. First, he describes the new ship management system, which will allow players to switch to any ship from any public zone. For example, sector space, earth space dock, etc. According to Rivera, you simply select the ship you want, your old ship will warp away, and your new ship will warp in. The second feature described is the new loadout system, which will now allow players to create up to two free pre-configured loadouts for your ship. So what configurations are saved? Well, it saves weapons, it saves shields, it saves devices, it saves consoles, it'll save bridge officers. The cool feature is that you don't necessarily have to have the equipment in your inventory at the time. The system will pull the equipment from other ships and even your bank, but not your account bank, your fleet bank, or other characters. According to Al, soon after the initial implementation of the system, loadouts will also remember duty officers and your power tray! <laughs> the third system is Quick Equip. This system will display a list of available equipment that is compatible with the slot you're trying to fill. So, for example, when I click on a slot for an engineering console, a new window will display with a list of compatible equipment that will fill or replace that console. The cool thing is that it will show you all available equipment that you own, not just what you have in your inventory. Now, you'll have to be at a Starbase to slot equipment that may be on another ship or bank. The last big announcement from dev blog number 38 is that the starship cap has been raised to 50. A number of players were curious what the starship cap really meant. Was it free? Were they paid? According to a post by Brandflakes, after Season 8.5's launch, players will still start with two ship slots and up to 48 more can be purchased, two at a time, 24 total purchases, via the C-Store. Total, 50 ship slots. There are four other ways you can get uh, ship slots as well. One from the Fed mission, The Vault. One from the Klingon mission, The Vault. One from the Romulan mission, Small Packages. One by being a lifetime subscriber or 1,000-day subscriber. And uh, one that's earned by an in-game per character. So you can get those four in addition to the 50 that you can get otherwise. So a total of 54 ship slots are possible if you uh, hit all the right buttons in the game. Here's, uh, here's something I want to ask you guys. So, you know, features like this ship swapping, access to banks, exchanges on shuttles and ships, and other, other convenience features, are, are, they, are they killing off social zones like Earth Space Dock? Well, a lot of people were concerned that the MMO aspect of the MMORPG um, was going to be downplayed. If you're not going to places and seeing lots of other players, if you can just sort of be in any social zone where there's tons of different instances and, like, sector space, you can... 
be it's a very large open area you wouldn't necessarily see a great number of players and you wouldn't be act uh, interacting with their avatars just you just see spaceships off in the distance people are kind of saying eh, that kind of brings me out of the mmo part other people were worried about the rpg part like well how role play is it if i can you know just summon up uh any any configuration i want you know am i carrying around 86 extra different types of phaser weapons in my uh, cargo hold somewhere and just swapping them out whenever I feel like it. Uh, will Starfleet just always send me an extra ship whenever I want? I mean, I'm a pretty badass vice admiral and I probably have like, you know, a fleet of, of ships at my beck and call. I don't know about those guys, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that there, there may be, there's some arguments about that, but it's one of those trade-offs between immersion and gameplay that game developers are always making. And they, I kind of like their calculus on this one. Let people swap out let them do what they want let them have a ship that they run borg stfs on and a ship that they run uh dyson sphere stuff on you know i've I've talked about the the need for like the holy trinity and running missions with people and calling upon him but when i was playing city of heroes and i remember um atlas city people would hover around the the capitol building and they would talk and they would engage and there were costume contests that happened periodically but I didn't, I didn't really spend that much time there. You know, I, I spent most of my time playing missions and joining other players, joining other teams, other pugs, in accomplishing these tasks, right? Because you couldn't just go in all, all by yourself. And it seems that D'Angelo is going in that direction, and we'll talk about that a little more with Season 8 DevBlock 41 and, and the new event system that they're, that they're bringing up. Maybe that's the direction. Maybe that's the direction of, of bringing the massively multiplayer back into the MMORPG that, that is Star Trek Online, or that Star Trek Online is supposed to be. Well, and Ukami in the chat room makes a good point. Um, he says that there needs to be things to draw you to those social zones, not chores that you have to go do. That, you know, I have to go to Earth Space Dock to switch my ship. I have to go to Earth Space Dock to clean out my inventory. I have to go there because that's where the exchange is. Make it so that you want to go there. Like you said you said costume content, so that's a good fan-run activity to go there. But maybe there should be some mini-games there, things other than just Dabo that rewards you a worthless currency that doesn't do anything for you. You know, make it fun to go there. Give, give people something to do. It could be that the events are, are the answer. But, uh, but before we move on to that uh, Season 8 Death Block 41, Captains, here is our question to you. Are features like hot swappable ships, access to exchanges and banks and personal ships and other conveniences killing social zones if so what ideas do you have to attract players back to earth space quonos or anywhere else please share your thoughts with us in the comment section for this episode on priority one podcast.com or in the post for this episode on the official star trek online forums so speaking of season eight devblog 41 events system revamp Let's talk about that. Well, the weekend Dyson event seems to have gone according to plan, and we'll be seeing an end to the hourly events calendar in Stowe. According to lead content designer Charles Gray, by giving between a 50% and 100% bonus to mark rewards, Cryptic saw lots of players playing together and participating in the event. Hey, putting the massively back into multiplayer. So let's let's talk about this, Tony. What do you got? You remember the anger that kind of spilled forth uh, when they changed the cooldown on the tour of the galaxy? I do. Oh, hot venom spewed some myself. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, now that's not going to be an hourly thing anymore. It's going to be a daily thing. You're going to get it, the mission. You're going to do it, and then it's going to have a 20-hour cooldown on it or something like that. Um, 
there's gonna be there's gonna be some people who are a little bit perturbed to see these bonuses go away. Crafting, I what are you gonna do with the crafting? Is are there gonna be no more crafting discounts? I mean, I don't know that a lot of people use the system anyway. Uh, so you're gonna but you're gonna anger that small sliver of the player base if you don't have any don't replace it with something else. Um, you know, I just uh, I'm hoping they handle the transition well. Um, the smart thing to do, of course, is for Cryptic to tailor the game rewards to complement the playstyle of people who buy Zen. And I'm sure that they're doing the next level of analysis, which is watching what those people do with their Zen, like maybe trading it off for Dilithium, and then making sure that there's enough true free-to-players grinding away at the Dilithium mines and still having fun to trade for the Zen that uh, the people, the whales, if you will, uh, are bringing into the game. Captains, here's our next community question. What do you think of the in-game events revamp? Did you make an effort to get in-game and play through the event? Was it any more worth it for you than the usual hourly events? What changes, if any, would you like to see from these events to make them more enticing? Share your thoughts with us in the comment section for this episode, PriorityOnePodcast.com, or post them for this episode on the official Star Trek Online forums. All right, Season 8 Dev Blog number 39. Just when you thought PvP wasn't being shown any love, systems designer Jeff Adjudicator Hawk Hamilton publishes a blog describing the new Small Craft Arena PvP zone, where level 50 players can take shuttles, fighters, captain's yachts, and any other small craft and hone their skills. The biggest news here is that this is the first cross-faction PvP queue, which allows Klingons, Romulans, and Federation players to queue up for war games against each other all from the same queue. According to Hawk, this ensures that matches can be found in the shortest time possible for this new mode. So, captains, if you're a PvP junkie and like honing your skills and mid-maxing your tune to the top, then you'll have something extra to look forward to in Season 8.5. Season 8, Death Blog number 40, Spire Featured Project number 6. Lead content designer Charles Gray invites players to participate in the 6 Spire featured project titled Trophies of War. Completing this project will add additional life to your Spire interior by proudly displaying two large trophies collected from the Solonet Dyson Sphere, a Swarmer and a Voth Armor Set. This project will be available from around 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time Thursday, January 23rd, until until around when server maintenance starts on February 6, 2014. All right, Captains, well, that wraps up this week in Star Trek Online News. Let's get to the highlight of this episode with our interview with Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Security clearance level 3 or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization, Sisko Alpha 1 Alpha. Logs accessed. Joining us again on Priority One Podcast is Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera. Al, thank you again for joining us for this episode. Uh, thank you. Hello, Priority One. It's good to be back again. All right, so there's plenty to talk about so let's let's go ahead and jump right in a lot to talk about it's all it's all 8.5 it's it's 0.5 better than before there's a lot coming out isn't there it's Battlestar Galactica good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is Battlestar Galactica good. Let's start with maybe talking a little bit about uh, Steven D'Angelo's uh, position oh, okay. back at the helm of, of Star Trek Online. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How, you know, I, I know that... Uh, it's it's Doom, all... isn't it? We're all, we're all doomed, aren't we? Yeah, we're right. all doomed. I mean, right all now. Doomed. Just doom. Doomed. Yeah, uh, yeah that's... Um, 
Steven D'Angelo is back as our EP, and uh, unlike before where he came on as a temporary position, he'll be our EP for the foreseeable future, and I couldn't be more delighted, honestly. Uh, Steven D'Angelo is... He is really, really good at what he does. He's probably the most intelligent person I know, certainly the most intelligent person I've ever worked with. And he has a very different style uh, than, say, Dan did. But, uh, you know, he's an engineer, and, you know, he's our CTO as well. So... Is he keeping that job? Yeah, he'll be wearing both hats. And so, you know, he's been building a couple task force teams to kind of, like, delegate some of his CTO work. But so he'll be trying to be more overseeing than being directly involved in that so he can focus more directly on... uh, on Star Trek Online. A lot of people have said that, you know, Steven D'Angelo, he, he's not as, as forthcoming or he doesn't, you know, engage in the community. Now, now he's, a, he's more of an introverted guy, right, than, say, Dan. I, I would compare Steven D'Angelo and Dan to, like, Kirk and Spock. Steven D'Angelo is, like, all logic, right? So, mm. he's, he, so he's really, really smart. And what you'll see from Steven D'Angelo is his attention to detail and he won't let the engineers get away with BS, right? Because engin- <laughs> it's really easy for an engineer to say, that's just too hard, right? And, and you, what do I, what, what do I what someone like me say? I guess it's too hard, right? And, but you can't get away with that with Steven D'Angelo, right? So he's, really, um, so he's really focused on the technology and getting it right. So you're going to start seeing things like the ship management system. So he's really focused on UI and technology and making it really fun for the users and making it really solid experience for the users. So you're going to see a lot of new system stuff. That's the kind of stuff where he's going to be focusing on. It's a lot of quality of life kind of improvements, UI improvements, ship management, you know, skill revamps. Uh, Bug squishing. Um, Bug squishing, yeah. All of, all of that kind of stuff. You know, the idea that he doesn't really communicate with users as much is really not really true. He's just... You're not going to see him light up on podcasts like like something like I really enjoy doing or even Dan would enjoy doing. But, you know, he was the one who started the STO blogs, right? He was the one when he came on board for Free to Play. That was he a was big one, switch. That was Stephen yeah. D'Angelo. He was the one who made that happen, right? Um, I mean, obviously, it was, you know, later on, it was Brandon who executed that, but it was, you know, and, and, and he's been, you know, carrying that torch and doing a fantastic job with it. But before that, Dan, remember, you know, it was, we, we were shooting more from the hip, right? Of just like something we wanted to talk about. But having a regular cadence in a very strategic way of releasing the information, that's more Stephen D'Angelo's style. So you'll still get the information, but he's not going to argue with you on the forums. So anyway, I really love working with him. His style really worked well with me, especially as a systems designer myself. He, he, he really likes to engage in, uh, in systems design work. And this is the guy that uh, kind of guided you guys through the free-to-play transition. So there's a yes. track record here. There's a huge track record. And, he's a, and he is a really huge Trekkie, too. A lot of people don't realize that. Uh, he told he tells a story. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to tell a story. You go ahead and ask him about his story about how he's a Trekkie when you talk to him next Thursday. So I don't want to oh, spoil yes, his story yes, for him. Yes, yes, you can ask him his Trekkie story. So I won't I won't I won't spoil that. But it's a well, good story. Uh, let me ask you this: In Terry Lynn's recent Captain's Log interview with him um, over at Massively.com, he talks about uh, bug squashing. You know, and, and a lot of players yeah. have, are always talking about that about the, these persistent game bugs. Um, you know, he talks about getting involved with the team and, and prioritizing them. Can you talk a little bit about that, what, uh, what high-priority things are being focused on? There's always going to be bug squashing, right? That's a dragon that you could chase forever and just never catch. There's always going to be some level of bugs in a, in a game as complicated as an MMO. But what we're really focusing on are what are those really pain point ones. It's more than just bugs. Uh, I mean, we can call them bugs, but we also call them sometimes orphans or orphan features or things that are just incomplete or things that just don't feel right. Because really what we want to do is we really want to focus on keeping the game sticky. 
because we know we have players like you and Party One listeners that are loyal Star Trek Online fans, and and we want to keep you happy with you know with new content and new features. Thank you, and thank you for adding the accolade uh, to the revamps, the team accolades. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it was just for you, but it's harder to keep new people when you know when they come in, right? You have to impress them, right? Especially in a free-to-play game. So making sure that their experience is solid. That's why you're seeing things like the Federation content revamp. I don't know how much of that have you seen yet uh, on Tribble, as far as like updating some of the beginning content. Anything that would cause pain points in the beginning that, wow, this is just really sloppy or really frustrating until you get used to it. That's what we want to get rid of, those kind of problems. And so prioritizing those and triaging those and looking at bugs that, you know, just kind of get swept under the rug or that really old and but are just, well, it's, that's kind of hard and really kind of Fire problematic. Fire will. Fire at will, man. That one is that's such a pain in the butt. Um, we, I, I think we fixed it this time, right? <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think the real reason you guys are doing this is because if you ever make fire at will work, the server will become self-aware. <laughs> it seems like a really complicated thing. We use this plugin called Skynet. I'm not really sure what that is. <laughs> but Found it on uh, a really weird website. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's been giving us trouble, but it's got so much potential. But yeah, Fire at Will, um, I think we finally got that one. It's just the way it's built is a really, it's built a little tricky. And every time you fix one thing, another thing pops up. And I don't know where the fix for that is. It's probably in going out on uh, 8.5 at the end of this month. So hopefully, keep fingers crossed, all the issues with that are resolved. There's been a concern that uh, quality of life improvements like uh, lockbox ships that can uh, access the bank in exchange and uh, and now hot swappable ships um, lessen the desire to visit the social maps like, you know, uh, or space dock and so forth. So, you know, D'Angelo was suggests that he'd like to revamp ESD somehow. Um, have those discussions begun? And if so, what kind of things are you, you know, what are you guys tossing around as for idea-wise? Those are very timely subjects. Um, yeah, it, it is a very hard balance. Uh, we, actually, Steve and I were just talking about this just just middle of last week. As far as like, should we should we let people have access to the bank all the time? There's a very slippery slope between trying to maintain the sense of world, having a social zone, and and having convenience. And um, you you. There's always a demand for convenience, but how much of that convenience is going to kind of ruin the social experience? If we gave access to a bank on your ship, everyone would love it. They would use it, but then there's less reasons to go back. Same thing about crafting or swapping your ship or going to the store. So all these things are reasons to go back to the social zones, but then you say, well, why do we want people to go back to the social zone? Why is that important? Are we just making that assumption that that's important? I think it is important. But I think the reasons why it's important isn't always really what you think it is. Um, I mean, originally it was the idea that, well, we want you to go back to social zones so you'll meet with people and chat with people and team up with them. But I don't think really people play like that. I don't, I don't play like that. I don't go to a social zone and then meet people and team up with them. I meet up with them in chat or in a looking for group, you know, chat room or in a PVE queue. But remember, if you remember, PVE queues, all, all our queues, we didn't have a PVE queue when we launched. You actually had to go to the physical location to go and launch that event. And if you wanted to go to another one, you'd have to go to Borg Space if you wanted to do the Borg one. And you had to go to, to Starbase 24 if you wanted to play the Starbase 24 uh, events. But then, we, but then you found places that just weren't being accessed or people didn't know about because it was too far away. So we put it all in a queue. So that had good and bad, right? It's like now everyone can play anything really easily, 
But now some people just sit in our space dock and just go to queues and back and forth and never actually travel. Does it turn the game more into just a bunch of arenas? Yeah, I think there's some risk of doing that. So, wow. So that's a, that's a really challenging question for us that we keep second-guessing ourselves on. It's just really just a matter of finding a balance. I don't think we want to turn the game into a solo kind of arena lobby. We don't want to do that. We want to make it feel more like an immersive world but still maintain that convenience. That's just the balance. I don't have a perfect formula about how to do it and what not to do. I know that we decided we're not going to put banks on ships. But the new quick equip feature that we have coming out and the way loadouts are going to work, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about, will allow you to access some of those items, but only from a withdrawal standpoint, you won't be able to deposit. So you'll still have to go back to your star base in order to empty out things in your inventory. But it was what kind of started us thinking, well, if you access your bank with this quick equip and with loadouts, why don't we just give you bank access all the time? And then we realized, now that's, that's probably too far. Have you guys looked into, like, adding, uh, you know, localized events? So, like, for instance, at places that have a dance club, like Club 54 on our space dock. You don't you know what it is? Up. It's 40... 47. 47? Is that what it is? Oh, okay. shaking my I head over I can't. Too. I haven't been there in a while. <laughs> it's a Star Trek meme. or Would that be a meme or a trope? I don't know. For some reason, 47 <laughs> is a popular thing for Star Trek writers, and that it's all over the show as just kind of a little Easter egg. To be honest, but, you know, I didn't know it either. But, <laughs> <laughs> you but, you know, uh, oh. as far as having, like, uh, you know, a live dance event that... that always running there or something like every so many minutes or um, short story missions that only run like at Earth Space Dock. Like, hey, if you go to Earth Space Dock, there's a, a small mystery mission you can run by, you know, going around Starbase and talking to these people and it unsolves this little mystery, you know, like, like putting little, basically little things that can only be found at that location. You're, you're reading our mind a little bit. Uh, we weren't necessarily thinking of mini games, but we have been talking about having content on DS9 and Earth Space Dock or in Sol- the Soul System or on Academy. So when you go there, there are, there are things to do that are fun to do. I'm avoiding the state to say the word mini games because I don't want it to make it feel like you pop up a little mini UI, but, but, but smaller right. pieces of content and quests and found missions and what shuttle races or. Uh, Abu Jitsu. Yeah, I want Abu, an Abu Jitsu, Jitsu, Abu Jitsu or, or go and uh, round up all the Sela Cat on Vulcan and stuff that there are just always things to actually engage in. There's a little bit of that when we did, you know, in, in, in Bajor, but Bajor is not a particularly popular social zone, while Earth Space Sock and DS9 and Vulcan would be, and, and, and of course uh, Konos and Urapente. So yeah, we, we have been uh, talking about doing that, treating it more like a carrot instead of a stick, right? Because maintenance, right. you know, character and ship maintenance is, is a stick. Been out playing for a long time, I gotta go and clear out my inventory, I gotta maintain my bank, I gotta go and get my injuries removed or or whatever and sell a bunch of junk loot. That's one thing. But having to go back there because it's fun and interesting, that's something that we, we want to do. I don't anticipate that content change happening until uh after expansion two. Something okay. else that we had toyed with uh, in a discussion during Star Trek Online News was the idea of maybe holodeck training maps, or and you mentioned uh, shuttle dogfighting or something of that nature. Uh, training, you know, something the that would give the phaser yeah. range, you know, that uh, Guinan and, and Worf are playing in. Uh, give the players an opportunity to do, you know, test their builds or something in these social zones. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, it's, it was something that, in an early discussion that we had early on. It's like, what to do with the holodecks? We should have holodeck training or things where maybe you could test out ships that you might want to purchase that you could actually, you know, I, I think Champions does something like that, right? If you've played Champions, you can go to the trainer and you can try any power, just any travel power, and then they have rooms where you can, you know, do your different travel powers and 
and, and see if you like them before actually purchasing them. Got that tech now. You know, you uh, on those featured episodes, you dump us into an ambassador class or into a bird of prey. Yes, yeah, so we call them temp puppets is what we call them. We do have the ability to do that. So I think we should do more of that. Those are more things for, for the plan. But, uh, but one of the things you mentioned, though, James, is attention for Earth space dock. And I think you will see some, some serious attention given to Earth space dock because as you see us, updating the lower level uh, federation content you know we just redid the tutorial and now we're redoing the lower level content we did most of the klingon story arc uh, the first 10 or so levels of gameplay and with that we want to kind of make our space dock itself a cleaner experience for everybody so the uh, weekend of January 17th, we saw the first uh, new iteration of the weekend event, uh, and we understand that's going to, by and large, replace the hourly events in STO, actually entirely replace the hourly events. Uh, can you tell us about how that weekend went for you? What did you guys see on your side of things? And, and then we'll get into uh, point by point where our old favorites are going. There is a measurable return on that weekend. Dyson Mark's event, Dyson, yeah. we, it was actually something we just talked about as far as like what, what did we see as far as uh, the stickiness of how long people played for and the number of people that came into play. That would just call it a success, so without getting into any particular numbers. But that's basically exactly what we want to do. I think we all think it is far more effective to say this weekend, Thursday through Monday morning, whatever the, the time period is, you can get double marks in Omega Force. We know that people will see that and come and, and, and turn into that, come to see that, or whatever event that might be. And when we do it that way, since we limit the time that it's available, we can make the rewards far greater. Yeah, it was like extra five or ten marks in when, when you do the marks. Well, now we could say it's like 50% or double, because you're not going to see that again for a long time. And that'll really, really get people to come in during those time periods who really want those marks. And you see a much bigger turnout for something like that. It's something that runs every few hours for an hour. It's, there's no there's no need to rush in. I don't need to come in today to do that. Next time I'm in, I'll just, I'll, I'll log out and say, oh, okay, there's an hourly event coming on. That may make me stick around and, and play a little longer. And that's really the difference is that where the hourly events calendar would, the design of that was to hope people to stick around maybe for an extra hour because uh, that next event that's coming up, they might want to stick around to. But because it was so common, the the amount of rewards we could give was, was limited, whereas something that happens on the weekend is meant to cause a huge boost for the entire time period. Uh, and those huge boosts turns into a lot of numbers for us. Then when those numbers go up, the money goes up as well. Are you consciously of taking the chance that the weekday play, the people that do log on and want to just you know come in for the, just the bonus marks, is there a risk that those people are just not going to log in that day? I mean, we're not anticipating that's going to happen. We're not, I mean, there's always a risk of anything unforeseen happening based on changes we make. You know, some of those things were not being really taken advantage of by a majority of people. It just became white noise. And I think one more thing that you could do while you were there. Right. It's always available every day and it's just white noise. And, and oh, yeah, I got extra marks because I played during the hour and I didn't even realize it was that hour. So the majority of people were really just kind of tuning it out. When If we can kind of promote and, and make a big deal about. You know, this weekend only you can earn, you know, double dilithium for these four days. We can be pretty sure that a lot of people will turn out for that and consciously be playing for that reason and not have to worry that they missed it by 30 minutes. Based on your experience, then, the bonus mark stuff is, is going to be turned from the hourly thing to the weekend thing. That seemed to work for you guys. And, and we're going to see an Omega weekend and a Romulan mark weekend and a Nukara mark weekend. And, and we can do all kinds of stuff like that. Like, and we can target it very specifically. Like, 
we just want you to play this particular piece of content and you'll get a lot of rewards for doing this. That allows us to not only get a lot of people into the game, but get a lot of people in a particular area so everybody gets to play together. Like if we just say, hey, come in here, it's like, you know, you're going to earn all this dilithium and all these marks if you just come in to play Azura Nebula. I guarantee you that's going to be filled and people are going to have a blast because everybody is there. So it allows us to focus our community as opposed to the hourly. It just becomes white noise. It's really not that focused. All right. um, well, all right. So we know what's going to happen to that guy. So how about the Mirror Universe incursion? Where's he going? We entirely rebuilt it from scratch. Lower level players tend to like that one. Yeah, so we rebuilt the entire content itself. Our uh, content designer, Jado Ross, is almost finished with that. So it's been back and forth tuning it with QA. And that's going to turn into an event similar to Crystalline Entity that will run periodically, or I'm not sure how long it will run for. We're working out the rewards. It'll grant probably a lot of dilithium, probably going to put a lot of XP and expertise into it. But it will be it, it will have limited availability. Um, but it's, it's also completely rebuilt from scratch, and it's going to be a hell of a lot more fun. That is the question I think that a lot of people have about the Mirror Universe incursion, is that they used it uh, as mm-hmm. a method of, of speed leveling a bit. We all recognize that. We're not turning a blind eye to it, that people are using it. So what we want to do is make sure we have other ways for people to go ahead and level up their alt. So a couple things that we want to do for that is, A, have more double XP weekends. And the, when the Christian Engine event does run, that you get a ridiculous amount of XP and or expertise from it, so it's a really big deal. But we're also looking at, kind of like we did with the reputation system, where when you finish a rep, your other reps, you level up, you can level up twice as fast on your alts for your other reps, just basically giving a bonus. If you have a little 50 character, all your other alts will level up faster. Oh. Just making that easier. Because when we change something, like, like for instance, our exploration content is something that we're not happy with. I'm not sure what we're entirely going to do with them, but we're probably going to do something very drastic with them. But really, there are certain things that people want from those exploration content. They do commodity missions, they do duty officer assignments, they have dilithium dailies, and there's a whole number of things that they get from there. So let's say we completely wipe out and just just get rid of all those exploration content because it's not our best content in the game and we're trying to improve our quality. We need to find other ways for people to achieve the things that they want. So it may not be exactly tied with that content anymore, but everything you used to be able to attain from there will make sure that you can attain another way. So by doing things like letting your alts level up faster or uh, making more double XP weekends or making giant XP events out of the Mirror Universe event is how we hope to replace those ways at the same time focus players where we want them to. A lot of people use that Mirror Universe content to level up their alts, but not everybody did. So if that's how our smarter and more engaged players were doing it, then we should make it available so everybody can do it. If we make it so everyone can level up their alts faster, I think that's better for the game and, and make the event an exciting event that's available um, that we'll, we'll focus our players on. Both of those things are good for the entire game as a whole as opposed to a subset of people who found an optimal way to level up their alts. That's what we're trying to do. This is something I had mentioned uh, when we had our show Thursday night. I don't know how likely this is going to happen, uh, but for the actual cooldown, like if I'm doing the dice and reputation and I want to progress through the tiers, would there be the opportunity, perhaps in these events, to either bring down the cool, the cooldown time, so instead of 20 hours, it maybe be 10 during that weekend? Because there's a couple different things that we can do there. Because you can only earn your commendation token once. once per day, right? And then the project takes 20 hours to run that project. We do have something coming out that will allow you to reset cooldowns on daily missions. It will be something that will probably be in the lockbox or the C-Store or Lowbay Store or Dilithium. I don't know how we're going to sell it, but we're working on this technology so you can get these tokens to reset specific dailies. 
I'm not sure if that really addresses what you're looking for, but I don't think we have any intention on letting you earn tokens any faster. We are taking a post-mortem look at the new Dyson rep, and I'd love to hear your feedback on what you think of it compared to the other reps to see if we got it right or if we need some further adjustment before we apply the changes to the old reps. What do you think works and doesn't work with the new reputation system? I really like it. I think it works well as it is, and I really like the token for the other characters that haven't done those reps yet because that's exactly what I'm doing You know, with my Fed who's always got everything done and he's ahead of the curve that it's nice for me to just finish up Dyson, create a token, and give that to my new Romulan who hasn't done half of the reputation systems and now allow him to fly through those much quicker, which is, I think it's, I think it's been great. I love the way you guys divided up the rewards so that you don't have to uh, wait to get all the best Mark 12 stuff to the last tier. I, I really like what you guys have done with it. Elijah, it sounded like there was something that you were trying to get more out of the rep, though. I'm not sure if I really understood what you were getting at. Well, with respect to the weekend events, and like, for instance, the Dyson bonus weekend event, I launched the project, and I get my 2,500 points to progress through the right. tiers. It's that that I was curious about. Would it be possible to maybe up that for the weekend? Uh, okay, so you want an XP bonus on rep project um, yes, turn it. Yeah, okay, yeah. I don't think we've thought of that, but we totally could do that. That's the opposite of then saying like giving like, you know, 50% or double marks, but to say you're getting double XP on a rep because that, we do have that technology. That's basically how we do the, the token that you give to your alts. The projects are the same. They just, each project is worth more. And so, yeah, I think that's a great idea that we could do a reputation XP bonus weekend. Maybe we could even roll it in with XP weekends because if you're top level, who gives a hell about XP? extra XP, it just means more expertise, which is good, especially if you're in a fleet, but something like uh, rep XP, that maybe we could roll that into there. Yeah, uh, and I you find... get big bonus points for the Weekend Warrior version, the right. yeah. uh, turning a marks into commendation, because I use that extensively during this reputation. So. And with your question about the, the feedback for the new Dyson reputation, you know, we were we talked a little bit about this last week when Skiffy and Jace were hosting, and then we went into it further uh, earlier in Stone News for this episode. You know, I come to compare the older reputation system to a bit of a crafting system, insofar that it was a matter of getting pieces together, and then you would get your reward or get the bonus. Um, I I like the fact that in the Dyson, the new Dyson, it doesn't require me to get all these like large hypos or, or uh, you know large energy sub batteries, and that saved a lot of a lot of time, a lot of BC. So I you know I thoroughly enjoyed it. I want I want to burn down the list of the other events before we. I mean we've wandered away from it, but I want to burn down the list and just if you just okay. want to give like a one word answer, so we just can move on here. Uh, path to twenty four oh nine. Path to twenty four oh nine. I think that's just going to become a daily. Okay. Don't quote me on all these because I don't remember exactly what the decisions were on the dilithium mine event. Will definitely become a uh, a weekend event with a lot more dilithium rewards. Right. Multi-phasic event, uh, hunting down samples. It's probably going to become a daily if, it, if it's the one for the uh, extra anomalies. Vault shuttle event. I'm almost positive that's going to become like a shuttle weekend event where it'll probably be expanded beyond so like all shuttle queues get bonuses. Uh, academy event. I okay. think the academy event. Like a couple of the stuff that's academy driven, all going to get rolled into like one event. It's like junior officer appreciation weekend. That's the duty officer one, uh, where you can claim the special duty officer, and the one you do on on the academy, and they all get enrolled into like one super event. Crafting. I'm not sure if we're going to do much with that because we are redoing crafting. Come back to that. So <laughs> come back to that one. Whatever uh, we're doing with that event, uh, not too worried about right now. Okay. Uh, officer reports to the Foundry event. If you complete a Foundry mission in that hour, you get extra rewards. 
probably going to be a weekend event, just like a foundry weekend. It doesn't make sense to make that one a daily um, because we've already got the featured foundry mission spotlights as a daily. And tour the universe. Pretty positive that's the one becoming a daily, and that's just being revamped because I remember Charles was working on that one just recently. He's changing that. There's something about the time on it because there's a timer in order to do it, and I forgot how he's changing it. But it's going to get tweaked a little bit, and then it'll become a daily. Some of the ones you mentioned might actually just go away. I want to make it clear that everything I said there wasn't a promise. We went through them all. We analyzed them all and says, okay, combine these two, merge these two, turn this into a daily, turn this into an event. I just don't remember what the decisions were at this point. Okay. I apologize. People are wondering. So, And everyone has yeah. their pet project. I mean, there's going to be a subset of people that are going to miss it. I'll try to be a little bit more prepared next time. Maybe if I can get an update, <laughs> guys. Probably will all turn into a blog very shortly. But it may come out uh, before this interview comes out. It could be. Everything we try to do, we just try to make it better. If it made sense to be a daily and it was very popular and very useful, we made it a daily. If it was something where we could focus people, be doing certain pieces of content together, we train, uh, and it was interesting rewards, we probably made it a weekend thing. And if it was just kind of really weak and it's like, well, who's doing this? What's this for? Probably just tossed it out. Well, hey, James, the next uh, question is about ships. You probably ought to take that one. So let's talk about some of these changes that are coming up for the science class. For example, a secondary deflector. Can you elaborate on that and, and tell us what we're going to be seeing You know, from targeting computers for escorts and armor slots for cruisers, things like that? Like we did with the Comaray on the Avenger and then the flanking on the on the Breen uh, Raider, we're putting the new system on the on this ship. The new Dyson ships will have will come with a secondary deflector slot, and you can get that secondary deflector from the ship that you'll be able to get from the appointment mechanic, the daily mission that you get during the anniversary event. There will be no other secondary deflectors available at first, and no other ship will have a secondary deflector slot yet. And then later on, we will add secondary deflectors to science vessels, special science vessels, and then the multi mission science vessels, so the Vesta. Uh, technically, the Dyson ships are also multi-mission science vessels, just FYI, just that's the classification of them. The design is that there are three types of secondary deflectors. Most of our items have like three types. I believe there's one that is healing and support. I think one's a, a damage one and one's a control one. I think those are the three different types of deflectors. Whatever secondary deflector you choose will add uh, a proc, an extra enhancement to certain science powers. So, for instance, the damage one will add something to all things that do damage, like with photonic shockwave, right? That's a damaging science power. So all those powers. Or like the healing one will add all your healing powers will do something such as uh, maybe will heal your shields as well or give you some other bonus to healing. As opposed to just a stat increase, it'll actually add an enhancement. In addition to it, it will also come with some stat bonuses, just like deflectors do, but at a lesser value. So they basically kind of work like duty officer powers. You know, duty officer powers add a chance of doing this or add a little, you know, chance of adding an extra bonus effect. They're like duty officer powers for a suite of science powers, either your <laughs> healing powers, your control powers, or your damage powers. That allow you to focus as what kind of science vessel are you? Are you a healer, are you a controller, or are you uh, trying to be more of a DPS guy? And so that's what the secondary selection is. And the one that's on the Dyson ship will be unique. It will be just a unique one that will be part of a set. It'll give a set bonus as well. So the, there's three pieces of the set are in the are in the mission. So you just play that three times, you'll get that piece. And then if you do the daily and do the reputation for the anniversary event, then you'll earn the ship, and it will have the secondary deflector on it that will be part of the fourth piece of the set. Awesome. Ah, uh, I see. Receiving free uh, stuff during the anniversary event. I don't know if uh, you can talk to us much about this, but uh, the forums have uh, raised their concerns 
uh, over the method in which uh, the, some of the ships will be uh, received this, this anniversary event because of, like for instance, the last uh, anniversary event, it was a free ship, and uh, this, the obelisk was a free ship. In this case, um, we will be doing a, a mission and earning certain marks. Now, this is this was essentially leaked early, uh, but uh, Brandon tried to address the masses in the forums as best as he could. Um, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about the, that decision to have these ships be earned uh, throughout the course of a few certain 15 days or so uh, by earning these uh, these marks, these new marks? Certainly, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, last year, the anniversary and the, for the mission, uh, Sphere of Influence uh, in October, gave away a ship for free for playing the mission once. But neither one of those came with any gear. It was just a ship. If in order to get the one that was better, you had to buy it. So, for instance, to get the better obelisk carrier that comes with the better stats and the console, I believe we had that in the low buy store, and the ambassador that was available in Temporal Ambassador. It was a pretty base-level ambassador. If you wanted the good one, you had to get it from the fleet. When we do the winter event or the summer event, a ship that has the special abilities, you usually have to play those, I think, for like 20 days or something and then to earn that ship. So this one, you only have to play for 15 days, if I'm not mistaken, and it comes with two pieces of gear on it. It comes with a secondary deflector and it comes with a special warp core, and both of which are part of a set. One of them is a piece of the set that you complete from getting the mission, and then the other piece is a piece of a set that you get from something in the future that we haven't announced yet. The ship is also pretty crazy awesome. People have speculated on what the ship does, but it's called a science destroyer. It has two commander seats. It has a science commander seat and a tactical commander seat. And the ship transforms. So you can only access one of those commander seats at a time. And it has a fourth forward weapon slot, which is unlike on any science vessel. But that fourth weapon slot has a proton cannon on it, only sometimes accessible. So the ship, when we say it transforms, it physically transforms from science mode to destroyer mode. And when it's in destroyer mode, it has access to the cannon and it has access to the commander tactical seat. And when you transform it back to science, then you have access to your, your science commander seat as well as your, you know, your subsystem targeting and sensor analysis. It's a little like the Chimera, but, but more unlike what the Chimera does, the Chimera just transforms back and forth and transfers stats and gives you access to one power or the other one. This actually changes your ship because it changes your commander seat and it changes your weapon slots. So it really changes you really from a science vessel to a destroyer not just in power levels like the Chimera does. Does it swap um, out the secondary deflector? I don't think we disable the secondary deflector. I am, I'm almost positive that we don't. That's just always available. And but it, can it you does, swap out that cannon? You cannot swap out that cannon. That so cannon the is fused. There. But it's a full cannon, so it, you know, it will use scatter volley or a rapid fire. Does it Does it take your from your weapons, from your auxiliary, from... Oh, it's used as regular standard weapon. It's not an auxiliary cannon. So based on the, you know, the Dyson weapons. And it's got a new visual effect for it. It's a pretty unique ship. And so it has that secondary uh, deflector slot and the extra weapon slot. And you only have to play for 15 days. And in order to get the mark, you just have to do one of those uh, Q events that you did last year, like the shell game or chase Q. You just have to do one of those quick uh, little mini games with Q. It take you five minutes. I <laughs> hate those, though. Those are just... Uh. So let's Don't finish like up with them. the forum rage here, because there's two more little rage points. Number right. one, nine consoles or ten consoles? No, it has nine consoles. Um, it does not hey. have ten consoles. It has nine oh, consoles because yeah. it had two commander seats and it has a secondary deflector sleeve, and it has a fourth weapon slot. And James's pet peeve, hull stats. What are about they, it? You well, want are they, to are they in line with the Vesta, or are they in line with... Uh, yes, because like, it's like my Vesta. Like I never fly it anymore, and I've, I've had rants on this on previous shows. I never fly it anymore because, because of fleet ships, 
the hull stats are way out of line now on that. And that's the thing is that's a ship that we spent a lot of money on because it was supposed to be equivalent to a fleet ship. And in, granted, it does have a lot of gadgetry, but hull stats are way low on that compared to fleet sign ships. Like, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I think it needs to be retouched. Um, but not to get too far off base. So what are we going to be looking at for this guy? Um, I don't remember the stats, but they're probably pretty similar to the Vesta. It doesn't have fleet quality stats. Its design is all on its gadgetry and gimmickry. And even on ships like this in the past, I could see that because, you know, like like that was the thing, like it's a free ship, we're earning it, it's not being paid for. But the whole thing with the paid ships like the Vesta was is that because they were paid for and everyone says, well, they got 10 console slots. Yeah, but the hull rating is so low compared to, say, a science, a fleet science ship, you know, but it's supposed to be equivalent to that because we paid for it. There. Take a deep breath, James. Take a deep breath. <laughs> Vesta. Vesta. For you, I'll go and take a look at the Vesta stats and Thank see you. if it really is warranted for any improvement. I want to keep that topic yes. separate from the Sison yes. Science Destroyer. That's a essentially a free ship. We'll take a look at the Vesta. I, I don't, I'm not particularly aware that it's really particularly subpar. It's a pretty amazing ship chock full of all kinds of yumminess and stuff yep. but you know the fleet ships yeah they have high stats but they don't they don't get a hangar bay there's no yeah. science vessel yeah. with a hangar bay right yeah and, it they does don't, have a they, and they've got some pretty awesome consoles that you can use with it so yeah. i mean everything can't be at the top it just can't be it's probably sacrificing a little bit of stats because it has all that extra amazing to it. And so I think it's very easy to get hung up on, but it only has 28,000 hull instead of 32,000 hull. It's like, yeah, but man, you can run that thing in an ox and you can tank with that ship pretty well. And, it, and it's got some pretty amazing consoles on it. So, and you go and you throw on a couple runabouts on it. That's some good defense. And, and you can keep those runabouts alive with your Fermion field. So, if it has the best numbers, it has the best stats, it's not going to have the best items. If it has the best items, it's not going to have the best numbers. And so, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough balance. But for you, I'll take a close look and make sure that it's up to par. That at least it's not anomalous or below where it should be. But as far as this new one, I honestly don't remember the stat numbers. They'll be published soon. They're not fleet numbers. Some are more, uh, more typical for a science vessel of its size. It's just instead, it can also become a destroyer. It has two commander slots and a secondary deflector slot. So, cool. and a built-in fourth cannon. So, I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. It's also, they're also pretty darn beautiful looking ships, especially the Romulan one is absolutely gorgeous. Uh, yes. Well, that yeah, one is just I've, really awesome. The pictures I've seen of it are incredible. So, just to recap, very briefly, the ships available now in this anniversary event are three. One for Fed, Romulan, and KDM, correct? That's right. There are three different ones. Right. So, but, but And only one iteration of each ship. It's not like the Vesta where there are three of each one, correct? There is only one of each ship. Of each ship. Yes. And they're all and then, science destroyers, right? They're science all science destroyers. Okay. They're essentially identical with minor tweaks. Klingon one probably has cloak. The Romulan one has a has the Romulan power levels, but has the Romulan singularity powers. So they'll still have their flavors of those things that make them different. But seat-wise and stat-wise, essentially identical. And then the way to earn these ships will be through a anniversary event like last year. Q will send you off on a mission to earn these new cumendation marks. Yes, and then, and then you'll be free within a 15-day period or so. Yeah, that's how the well, numbers work out. It's 15 approximately times 15. You have to play the featured episode as well. If you don't play the featured episode, it takes longer. But who yep. wouldn't want to play the featured episode? Um, no. But if you play a featured episode, then you can, I think, finish it in about 15 days. And if you don't want to wait the 15 days, you can buy them out with low buy. You know, one of the big exciting features of Season 8.5 is the new the ability for players to now save their loadouts. And this is something that, you know, we, 
is great, is amazing, uh, and offering the opportunity for players to actually easily swap, swap between ships and test new builds, etc. Uh, I'm curious about the mechanic a little bit about this. Is this, mm -hmm. you know, one of my immediate questions is, is this being saved on server side or is this a client side thing? Uh, it's uh, everything we do is server side. It won't be client side. What kind of hurdles did you face in creating this new uh, new, new feature? Um, it's Saturday and it's still not done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's been a monumental task. It's, it's really for the engineers. You know, we spent a lot of time designing it about exactly what we wanted and how it would be presented and making sure that it's a really solid uh, and enjoyable and totally usable feature. But it's been uh, really challenging because, you know, what we want is we want you to be able to take my ship. Here's my favorite ship. I'll just say ship A. Put all this gear on it. And so that you're putting all these gear and I save this loadout. This is the loadout I want to use all the time. And I'm going to make a different loadout. And I'll, make, I'll move the gear around. And I'm going to put this, this gear. I'm going to use this for PvP. Or I'm going to use this to fight the Voth. Whatever you want to do it. And I'll save that loadout. And I'll name it. I'll name it PvP loadout or anti-Voth loadout or whatever. And so I do all that. Now I'll go to another ship. And I'll just go to the shipyard. And I'll just select another ship from the shipyard. And I says, I want to make a loadout for ship B. Because the ship B is my escort and ship A was my cruiser. But I want some of the gear that was on ship A. You can do that. You can put all the gear in there and save it and say, this is my ship B PvP loadout, and this is my ship B anti-Borg loadout. And you can save all that same gear. And so we need you to be able to see the loadout on both ships, but the gear only exists in one place. Resolving all that has been really, really difficult for engineers, but they found a very elegant solution. I mean, you'll be able to see the gear. It'll be like shadowed out. We've been calling them shadow builds. So you can see when you look at the loadouts that are available for the ships, this is what the loadout will look out for the ship. And then you hit load and it loads it up. And then it pulls the gear from wherever it is. If it's in your bank and another ship or in your inventory, it'll pull it and load it up onto that ship instantly. And then you can edit the loadout and save over it or save another one. Every ship will get two loadouts for free, and you can purchase additional loadouts. For wherever you are, as long as it is a, uh, a static map, so you won't be able to be on a mission. Actually, excuse me, I'm getting my features mixed up. There's ship swapping, which you can get anywhere that's a static map, like a social zone or a space over or space dock or sector space. You can swap to any ship. Your ship will warp out, and your new ship will warp in, and you'll be in that ship. And then there'll be a cooldown. You can't just keep swapping ships. I think it's like a 60-second cooldown, um, partly because we don't want you to use it, partly because it's really expensive on our database to load up all that gear. Uh, and then while you're in that ship, then you can choose a loadout for that ship, and then it will pull that gear from wherever it is, and you can do loadouts anywhere. You can oh, do I can them be in the middle of an STF, and as long as I'm not in red alert, I can swap As long out. as you're not in combat, you can do a loadout nice. swap. I believe there is a cooldown on it. There is no cooldown on loadouts while you're in, while you're in a starbase that has a bank and a shipyard. There's no cooldowns there, but while you're out there, there's a, there's a cooldown. I don't remember how long the cooldown is. It's not particularly long, but, but you can't do it in combat. You can then swap your gear, and it will pull it from wherever it is. Now, one minor disadvantage is if you keep doing that, every time you swap, the gear doesn't go back to where it was. You can't deposit back to your bank. So if you load up a loadout, any gear that's in its place goes into your inventory. So if you want to use it as a way to access all your gear, you're going to keep filling your inventory up. It can only withdraw from the bank or from other ships. It can't deposit back. Is that a feature you think that we'll see down the road? or 
I don't know because uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think you keep it like that. I that. think it's important to keep it that way because that goes back to your guys' earlier question about yeah about social zones about social zones. We need reasons for yeah. you to have to go back to the bank and making the bank meaningful. Because of this, we thought should we just give you access to the bank all the time? Or like so then they're like no, that's or just send it back there. I said well then no, we won't be going back to the bank. If we give you access to the bank, I think we really hurt our social zones. And if we don't, we just let it send the gear back to the bank. It's just de facto giving you access to the bank, and we're just people will be using the feature as just a way to access stuff that they don't even want to use, that they just want to pull out of the bank to do whatever they trade or sell or, or whatever it is. And so there still needs to be a function to the bank. But the rest of the system is very elegant, and it's, gonna, it's really going to be a game changer because when that feature rolls out, I'm going to spend like three hours in Earth space dock setting up all my ships. I have access to all the ships, and the live game have not ever played them. Right. I mean, I've played every right. ship that we've made, but I play just like you and everybody else. I log in, I got an hour, two hours to play. I'm in my Armitage, and I'm like, yeah, I'd really like to try the best of the day, but I don't have 40 minutes to set up my gear loadout. So now I'll just play the Armitage right now, uh, and maybe next time I'll change it. But I'm going to go in, and I'm going to load up all my gear, and then I'm going to, every mission, I'm going to try a different ship. I want to play that again with my science vessel. Now I want to play that with my cruiser. I'm going to try the carrier, right? So I think it's really going to add a lot more replayability. And along with that, we're also increasing the number of ship slots from 25 or whatever it is to 50. People can get a lot more ship slots right now. Yeah. Now, I'm, what I'm looking forward to doing is having like this, you know, different stages of STFs. Like there's, you know, there's stages where you need crowd control and there's stages where you need over. DPS. You just swap it back and forth. Well, you can swap your loadouts, yes. But you can't, yeah, but like, you can't, you know, you can't the, go the, from your science vessel to your escort in the middle of an STF, but you could swap your loadouts, yes. Yeah, so I could, I could load up, you know, graviton generator consoles <laughs> and, and stuff like that and, uh, you know, swap out eventually we're going to get doffs right so i could swap out my tractor beam doff. i think when i released the blog there i said some things that we're probably not going to get and then and then it looks like we are getting them so power tray power tray if i have my druthers will the system will not uh would not go out until the power tray is done but it's right on the fence that's what they're there this saturday to try to get the power tray to work oh, to work go with. team go uh, we love you engineers and, go uh, go go so there's power tray and duty officers and originally we weren't going to allow you to be able to modify your ship builds that were for your inactive ship that you had to actually make the ship active in order to edit a loadout but now they actually got that working so you can actually edit your loadouts on your ships that are that's cool you still have to be at a shipyard so you can't yeah, edit the builds cool. in space but you don't have to make it active you can just look at your ship in your shipyard and say yeah put this wow. gear make it slow down make it slow down so you don't have to keep swapping back and forth between ships I, I mean this has always been something that we've wanted an answer to right how to bring down that 40 minute time of, of spent reloading your ship who pulled the trigger on this like where was it that was finance what, what, what do you think who, yeah, who wants to guess yeah, Stephen D yeah. Stephen D because right. he's a techno guy right that's the kind of expertise that he brings that technology expertise that neither Dan nor I have everybody has their own skill sets and like say for instance Dan is like really strong on story right you know D'Angelo is really strong in technology and he can say this is how we can make this happen he's an amazing mentor to the engineers to say yeah we could do it this way this is how we can solve this problem that's why you're seeing systems like that happen that were like yeah we've been wanting this forever but it's just been too hard right so now we have the expertise to make that happen can i ask a quick loadout question so the loadouts are per ship there's no way to save an existing loadout on my vesta and then pop that into the new Dyson. That, has, that was a uh, a feature that might be a 2.0 feature that okay. we discussed uh, as far as there's a couple of different ways we talked about. It. We talked about it either being able to move one loadout to another one. No two ships are exactly alike, so it wouldn't 
So it wouldn't yeah, be, per- wouldn't be perfect, but could we make it so that way we could kind of try the hardest it could to try to fit all those pieces in? And then we thought, well, maybe instead we would do a feature like, like if you bought a new ship that says for like best guess. Like, and then it would kind of look for, oh, this is a cruiser. Let me find your cruiser based on this and make a... Oh, almost make like setting defaults. Yeah, well, it would just make an educated guess at the best possible loadout. And then you can then modify it from there. We, so the game would beyond, optimize that was beyond your the, loadout based on your inventory? Well, it would base it on other builds you might have, right? Other loadouts. So if you've got, yeah. a, if you've got a cruiser loadout and then you... You are buy, trying to make the server software, an, aren't you? The Skynet yeah, yeah. plug-in is really, really <laughs> it's good. Really it's it's really amazing. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, it would if you, like, say, had the, the Galaxy Dreadnought and then you went and bought the Odyssey, it might say, what's the closest map? ship. This other cruiser is the closest match and it will base it on that. I would prefer to see something like, you know, copy this loadout from this other ship, but we've just decided to not worry about that right now. Um, and by the time we get to it, most people probably, it, it's really, I think it would matter most for new ships to get people in the new ships faster. We'll see what other ideas that the users have as far as what things that they would like to see from it. Uh, one thing that people have asked about, can you modify your skill tray? And the answer is, is no, you, this will not modify your skill tray. The number one reason is, well, skill trades cost a respec. You have some free respec tokens, but generally if you've used those, you have to, you have to buy them. If you'd be flipping back and forth with them, you'd be consuming the free ones pretty fast. And I don't think I would do that until we actually had the concept of having multiple skill loadouts. So we'd have to have it so that way you would be able to swap between two different skill loadouts. Then you'd have to buy more respecs after that, kind of like the way you have like print tailor slots. You know, okay, this is my... Um, skill loadout, this is skill loadout B. Uh, that's a much, much bigger system. And um, I don't think we're going to do that because something I'd like to talk if we have time is um, we've been talking about uh, skill tree revamp. And so I wouldn't do anything just until we decided whether or not we were going to do a skill tree revamp. And then we could apply loadouts to skill trees. So that, that's under discussion then, redoing the skills? Yeah. One more question. The foundry. The, in that interview at Massively, Mr. D'Angelo said that we wouldn't see much in the coming months. Um, yeah. and people got up in arms about months. Define months. More, more than th- one. One? <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I actually had a conversation with Stephen about this just on Friday about where we could do it. And they basically the answer is really blunt. It's like, well, where do we want to put our, our engineering resources on foundry or PVP? And, and so I think we want to put those, those engineering resources first onto PvP. It's making one community happy and perhaps another community disappointed, but uh, that's where we probably would put those resources first. But there are some things coming to the Foundry. I don't want to talk about it too much because I have an exclusive interview about Foundry on primetime UGC. Let me let them get first crack at that. A big thanks to Al Rivera for joining us on Priority One Podcast. Captains, don't miss part two of our interview scheduled to release Thursday, January 30th. Subscribe to us by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. Al, would you do the honors, please? Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. All right, Captains, in uh, this week's feedback, we want to remind everybody what last week's community question was. Of all the goodies announced for Season 8.5, which are you looking forward to the most? By far, the most anticipated features were the ship swapping and loadout mechanics, but let's hear from you. All right. Britton Harris responds to us on Facebook and says, I think this is fantastic. I will use this often. I would have been just as satisfied with the 
save loadout feature alone, the frustration of reconfiguring your ship every time is what puts me off of switching more than the travel. Uh, agreed. And we hear from Ukami87, looking forward to being able to save my power tray. As for changing ships on demand, I might use it if they have a nice animation for it. Uh, well, sadly, Ukami, according to Skiffy, uh, that's not going to be the case. There's not going to be any fancy animation. Um, your ship warps out, and then there's a loading screen, and then your new ship is there. No fancy schmancy uh, animation, like one warping side by side, and you see a transfer effect of or little shuttles crossing to the other ship. That would be co- that would have been cool. That would have been nice. Uh, but alas, we uh, we cannot. We have our next one coming in from Alex One G E R. I'm looking forward to quick equip starship build out saving and at the end of the road easy ship swapping. Next one comes from Pax Federatica. He says I'm looking forward to the new loadout editing features more than anything else in season 8.5 for two reasons. One, I can make multiple custom loadouts for my main ship for a wider variety of missions than I use it for now. Excellent point. Two. The ability to take the ship equipment directly from our character banks makes organizing my in-game stuff a lot easier. Totally agree. Good points. We hear from Cookie Cupcakes. I am most excited about the on-demand ship swapping and especially the saved ship tray. Yes! I just had to redo my entire tray just because I switched out hangar fighters. Hopefully those days are numbered. However, not everyone is sold on the mechanic. Sir Boulevard writes, This ship switch mechanic has me very concerned. In RPGs, typically the protagonist has limited inventory, so they have to buy a house or storage somewhere. So after a dungeon crawl, they come back to that house, store the loot they want to keep, sell to the local merchant, and then head out again. This is the RP part of an RPG. If this trend continues, those zones will have no purpose, and Star Trek Online will be downgraded to just a Q and power tray that does everything. I have to agree. It's got to be fun. It's got You can't go there for chores. That's why it's not a social zone. You go there for chores. And that, that really just encapsulates it. Like James said, have duels there. Have exercises. Have tournaments. Uh, have more minigames. Poker. With better rewards than Gold Press Latinum, please. Rob DMC writes in, The only problem I can see with a new setup is if you change ships and you have a limited number of boff slots, you may not be near a boff trainer to retrain them for the different ship. In those instances, you will still need ESD, Quonos, or high enough fleet starbase. If they include DOF swapping in the mix, then I'm sold. Otherwise, there's not that much time saving. Ryan Evan Tade responds via Facebook, I do believe this will drop the population of some social zones, but not by much. There are still other things that are utilized in social zones, such as the exchange. And leaving the ship swapping topic, we hear from Elliot. Fallen Earth had a crafting system equal to or exceeding that of Star Wars Galaxies. Just saying. So if we're, if we're looking for crafting models, I guess we're supposed to consult Fallen Earth. Has anybody ever played that? Is that Elliot? Is that our Elliot? Yeah, it's our Elliot. Him and his opinions. MJ Bird writes in, Lord of the Rings had a good crafting system. What if STO split up the crafting and had different items you could craft for each class? That would make each class different and needed more. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. I like it. The more I think of the reputation system, the more I feel that that in and of itself is a crafting system. You have to get pieces together to then wait on a cooldown to get an item. At least the older reputation system, not not the Dyson. The Dyson's a little different, but the older ones. Combination of the DOF system and the reputation system would probably be, you know, about as good as we could expect to get from a game for which, quite frankly, has neglected the crafting system since launch. 
So I mean, I think I think that's where we're going to eventually see it, and hopefully we'll get some kind of mechanic where you can't have failures and some critical successes, but the 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 item that you're going to get will be determined at the outset. You won't be able to select what you're going to eventually have as powers. Maybe we'll see something like that with the kits, like gem, that's, uh, well, that's what I'm gem talking about. Yeah, the kits I think is our best chance at true yeah. crafting. And we hear from Orangitis. As an MMO player who has, has always had a healthy selection of characters in each game, I am always looking for a game mechanic to allow for customization to let my characters be unique to each other. The implications of secondary deflectors may just let my science ships do that. Now, if only there was a place for a dedicated repair ship in an STF, or maybe even a dedicated debuffer. I like that idea. Not bad. Give something not bad. besides just control, you know, just control and healing, you know, somebody that debuffs. Uh, Matt Miracle says, I think it's worth mentioning that Stephen was also serving as chief information officer during his temp EP position. Mm. Yes, the uh, emergency holographic executive producer. What do we call, what do we call it? <laughs> yeah, Somebody I said that, that if you work it out, that's EPO. Emergency EPO, executive producer online holograph something. Gametzil says, ships are great, but since ground gameplay has gotten so much better with the launch of Season 8... It would be interesting to see what could be done with some new ground equipment. A hybrid tech ground set with unique costume unlock would be great. Oh, kind of like uh, the old Borg sets. If you unlock yep. all of them, you get uh, different costume pieces as well. I mean, I think eventually we're supposed to have the costume stuff unbound uh, yeah. from everything. And that's that's a design goal that Al's had for a while. So, yeah, I mean, more costume pieces that you can just independently attach to your character in the tailor rather than having to equip a certain armor item yeah that sounds like a good idea to me a big shout out to our community guest jace and our audio editor skiffy for joining me on the bridge last week for episode 157 not only did they both fill in for tony and james last minute but they carried themselves wonderfully like jace writing his own uh, trek it out segment last minute like a half hour before the show so a big shout out to jace skiffy again thank you so very much for for joining me last week uh it was a solid episode very well put together uh i couldn't have done it any better uh, all by my lonesome. It would have been terrible had it just been me. So thank you very much to the both of you. Captains, you know we love hearing from you. So let us know what you think of the show or submit your responses for our community question in the comment section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com on the Star Trek Online forum post for this episode. Or now, you can leave us a voicemail feedback. Just visit PriorityOnePodcast.com. Look for the speak pipe widget uh, and just record using your onboard microphone. Or if for whatever reason that widget doesn't work, your browser doesn't like it, uh, you can go ahead and uh, record yourself a quick little MP3 file and send it over to us to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. If that doesn't work, you can give us a call. At 609-619-0834. Again, that number is 609-619-0834. Standard calling rates will apply. Well, Captains, that wraps up episode 158 of Priority One Podcast, recorded live on trekradio.net. Remember, we record Thursday nights live on Trek Radio, starting at around 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. As you know, we love hearing from you, our loyal listeners. If you have a suggestion, idea, or topic for any of our segments, or if you have general feedback about this episode, our email address is incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. You can also send us a voice message through SpeakPipe, telephone call, or record your own short MP3 message. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following our social media websites. Head over to Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast and give us a like or... You can follow us on Twitter via at STOPriority1. Priority1 is brought to you by the generous donations of listeners like you. Please visit 
PriorityOnePodcast.com to find out how you can help support the show. And again, a special thanks to everybody who has contributed and continues to do so. And don't forget to check out Priority One Productions' latest show, Guard Frequency, at GuardFrequency.com. It's a pretty good show. I like it. You should check it out. A very special thanks to Star Trek Online's lead designer, Al, Captain Gecko Rivera, for joining us this episode. Thanks to the entire team behind PriorityOnePodcast.com, including the man that makes us sound the way we do, our audio engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Epic Gamer Radio, Subspace Radio, and Trek Radio. Thanks to our sponsor, Sayulita.com. But most importantly, a big thanks to you. Our listeners, the Star Trek online community. Without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red alert. Shields up. Ready weapons. Engage. Tony. Well, this is going to be a big show, Captains. So big, we'll have to forego our trekking it out. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> so big, we'll have to forego. <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> you can donate straight out, or you can go to our Amazon uh, affiliate site. It's we don't have Amazon affiliate anymore. Got rid of it. It hasn't been working for like forty years. God. Did you get the memo? <laughs> I didn't get the memo. Who sends me these things? Every time you say Amazon, we tell you that we don't have Amazon anymore, and you forget. Fine. Yo, Pace, Fine. don't talk to me about Bitcoins, man. I am I am wounded by Bitcoins. You do not want to get me started Fine. about Bitcoins. Captains, F Amazon. Move on. All right. <laughs> Articulate. Oh, not bad. Marbles in your mouth. Enunciate. Marbles in your mouth. And How do you know they're marbles? <laughs> Chubby bunny. Chubby bunny. <laughs> Those systems is <laughs> <laughs> that was your fault. I was good to go. All right, <clears throat> making them hard, better, faster, stronger. Perhaps I'm Maybe. sorry, harder. It's supposed to be harder, harder. Oh, my bad. My bad. Okay, there we go. Start. From, can you start from the beginning in season eight, dev vlog thirty seven? We don't need. I just said season eight, dev vlog thirty seven. Do Why it. do we need to say it again? That just go back. Redundant. Please. Harder, better, faster. In the dev blog, Adjudicator Hawk runs. What happened up. to Stronger? Ah! This is a Daft Punk song. You got that's the point. I know. And by the way, for those of you that may not know, Titan. Does anybody know what Titan in, in, to inject Titan? No. Does anybody know the comic book reference? No. All right. This Yo. is for our comic book friends. So the Titan. Anybody in the chat room? No. It doesn't matter. Just start from the. Just start again, please, and say harder, best, better, faster. For example, Sector Space. <laughs> that's the space. And then you can delete all that all that crap I said about Jace. <laughs> <laughs> because those guest hosts last week were just stupid. Man, they were he's, awful. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure he's listening. Brutal. I'm pretty sure he's listening. Brutal. <laughs>
<laughs> Skiffy was just derivative. That's as bad Jace as me. was just pedantic. And, oh my god! I'm kind of proud was, of you, Elijah. Man, it was just painful to listen. Good thing the regular hosts are back. Whew. No, he's doing this uh, other show with this crazy guy. I don't know. It's not that good. Don't worry about it. He's not on my right, show. Me- I thought he was. No. no. I think he, he, he does the same thing it. on my show that he does for this show. He just kind of pops in every once in a while and goes, yeah, you guys are wrong. See ya. I thought you guys were both doing that one. No, it's me and Lennon and uh, and Jeff, the guy who used to run our fleet. Captains, we know that you love hearing... <laughs> I have no idea where I was going with that. I we don't either. No, it's something uh, that we believe is true. Including the man that makes us sound the way we do. Our audio engineer, Skiffy. Don't blame him for that. <laughs>